everybody. Welcome to another night here at the Resurrection Center. It's Wednesday night. We're going to be having another amazing Bible session. My name is Mr. Wayland Point. At the discretion of the Holy Spirit and my spiritual parents, Pastor Jose, Pastor Melly Martinez, I am up here to wrap up the book of Ephesians and everything we've been discussing in the last couple of weeks. So tonight the topic is resources and goals for your advantage. So the book of Ephesians is addressed by the Apostle Paul to a group of believers who are rich beyond measure in Jesus Christ. Yet they are living as beggars and only because they're ignorant of their wealth. Paul begins to describe in the, uh, the first three chapters, one through three, the contents of the Christian's heavenly bank account. Yes, we have a bank account in heaven that we could pull from, but there's only one way we could pull from it. And that's through A, we have to have Jesus in our lives. And we have to be obedient to his word. We have to surrender everything in our hearts to his will, which is not easy. It's painful. It's hard. We can struggle with it. Sometimes we're doing good with it. Sometimes we're not. But as long as we fight the fight and we do not give up, we can pull from this bank account. But the same token, we have to remember, it's like any other bank. You have to be willing to make deposits. And we'll get to that in a little bit. So what are some of these benefits, these spiritual blessings and wealth that he's talking about? Adoption, acceptance, redemption, forgiveness, wisdom, inheritance, the seal of the Holy Spirit, life, grace, and citizenship. In short, every spiritual blessing. And then chapters 4 through 6 talks about Christian's learns how to walk spiritually in a root that stems all the way back to Jesus Christ. Because the Bible says we have to be rooted in Jesus. He's our foundation. He's the rock in which we stand upon amongst many other things. Uh, For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works that we should walk in them. And I'm going to break a lot of this down. So the first one I want to break down is redemption. Let's go to the book of Ephesians, chapter 1, verse 7. Again, Ephesians, chapter 1, verse 7. And the word of the Lord says, In him, meaning Jesus, We have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. Through redemption and the fact that when we accept Jesus Christ into our lives, we are cleansed by his blood. Meaning we are cleansed spiritually of our sinful past. We're starting a whole brand new slate. Meaning if I accepted Jesus Christ right now, Everything I had done in the last 40 years of my life is erased. I start new with God, and everything I do from this moment on is now what I am held accountable for. Everything I do, everything I say, in some cases, yeah, what I think, but he doesn't hold us accountable to that as much as long as we do not act upon it. We all struggle mentally. We all have sinful thoughts. 
But as long as we fight it, we rebuke it, we take it to captivity to Jesus Christ's name, and we do everything we can to stay away from the temptation of our thoughts, God will hold us in high re- I, don't, I can't think of the right word at the moment. Not high regards, but he will hold us in a better place than if we let those thoughts take over. So at the same time, we are becoming a new person. What this means is a new way of being, a new way of acting, a new way of thinking. My emotions don't control me and so much more. Because of we are bought and brought near by his blood. Go to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 13. And again, it's the book of Ephesians chapter 2, verse 13. And the word says, But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. So we're bought by the blood of Christ. And because of his blood and it's cleansing us, we are now allowed to come to the footstool of him and to God's presence. Now, if you think about it, when we are sinning, we stink like a, a garbage can or worse, a whole junkyard. We stink. God can't become or come near us like he wants because that sin overpowers everything about us. But when we're cleansed, that's when we're allowed to come near, we're allowed to come into his presence, we're allowed to seek him, we're allowed to talk to him, and so much more. That's only the beginning. He asks us to walk in love and peace. When we accept Jesus Christ and we become new, he, he also states that he wants us to go out into the nations, make it disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them his commandments, his covenants. His precepts. But to do so, we have to model what Jesus Christ was on here, I mean, here on earth when he was here. All he ever did was love everybody, including the ones who were trying to constantly persecute him, ones who were constantly trying to kill him, stone him, throw him in jail, whatever you want. He loved them even to the moment he gave up his soul. On that cross, he loved them so much, he was even begging the Father to forgive them, for they know not what they do. So even up unto death, he showed unconditional love. So we, as his children, sons and daughters, we must show everybody out there, including everybody in here, what that means. We have to love one another. Because... If we can't do so, why do you think people are going to want to accept Jesus Christ? Why do you think they're want to come to church? Because they're going to see us as hypocrites, amongst many other things. We have to walk in peace, because Jesus brought peace into regions that were tormented by spirits and demons. People who were tormented by sicknesses and illnesses, whether it was for a couple of days, a couple of weeks, or even decades so we have to walk in love and peace portraying to our brothers and our sisters whether they're lost or not who jesus christ was we cannot walk in fear we cannot walk with doubt and we cannot walk in regret 
Fear, doubts, and regrets will hinder us. They will make us freeze off inside. They will destroy our minds. They will prevent our callings. Each and every one of us, even those who don't know Jesus Christ yet, who have walked away from the church for whatever reason because they were hurt in one way or another, we all have a calling. We all have something Jesus created us for here on this earth to do. And he, he works through us. He delights himself in using us. Could he do it himself? Yes, he could. But he wants that relationship with us. He would prefer that he has a communion with us and utilize us to do his will. It's not that he can't. He did that in the past. Look what he got him. I mean, he look how he saved the Israelites through all the ten plagues. And then when they finally get free, God is guiding them through the desert up to the Red Sea by a pillar of fire at night and a, uh, a pillar of smoke during the day. Yet when they get to the mountain they're supposed to get to, and Moses goes up to the mountain to speak to God himself, what do they do? They immediately turn away from God. They built uh, an idol out of gold. And, they, and then they lied to God. Well, they lied to Moses, but they also lied to God, saying that it just formed up out of the fire, if I remember the story properly. It's been a while. I haven't read that in a while. So regret could also destroy us in many ways. I'm walking proof of how for 11 years regret destroyed my life, destroyed my marriage, destroyed my relationship with my daughters. People didn't want to be around me. People are always talking about me because I let regret boil up inside me for years. Fear, doubt, regret, anger, those are all poison to your soul. It will poison you to almost, actually in some cases, it will poison you to death. And I mean real physical death. It's a spiritual death too because you're not allowing Christ to either come into your life because you can't see him that way because you can't see past the anger. You can't see past your regret or hurt. And even if you accepted Christ, that poison can actually over time slowly pull you away from him. And that's not what he wants. He wants you in his bosom. Regret also brings selfishness and pride because you let whatever is eating you up inside control your life. Which, when especially people who love you want to help you, Pride sets in because, A, you don't want to accept it. You don't want to acknowledge it. Then you definitely don't want the help because you feel like you're useless. I know what that felt like when I was going through my divorce and Pastor Jose, Pastor Millie, my parents, my grandmother, half my family was trying to help me in one way or the other. And I was fighting it because in my heart I felt like I was a failure as a father. But I didn't understand what it meant to be a Christian, to having the blessings gone uh, fall upon you, having people who care about you who are trying to truly help you. God had to use Pastor Jose to knock a lot of sense into me when it came to accepting blessings. And every time I told him about a small little piece of something that happened, he's like, what do you expect? He, like he kept like 
proverbially smacking me in the back of the head to try to get me to understand that's what God's all about. If you follow him, you seek him with all your heart and soul and your strength. And you pray, you read the word, you seek him day and night, awake and sleep. He will bless you. He will heal you. He will help you either him directly, which can happen. And he will definitely use your fellow brothers and sisters to bless you in one way or another. Sometimes just an ear is all it could take to bless you and heal you. I lost track of how many times Sister Erica would just be there to hear me when I needed somebody to listen to. Because Pastor Jose, Pastor Millie couldn't be around. Or they just happened to leave early and she could see in me. She discerned something was wrong. And there's times Pastor Millie could just look at me and knew something was wrong. So just having a couple of people willing to take, take time and to listen can heal a broken heart or cleanse some of the poison that is staying in your soul. And selfishness can be just as destructive as pride and regret. Because if you look at what has happened since COVID started, I have seen how much more people have become selfish than they already were. I deal with a lot of selfish people at work. I see it on the roads. I see it in stores. It is sad how much more I have begun to see it because people think they're entitled to go first. Or if you're already trying to turn, they're pretty much almost going to hit you because they want to get around you. People have gotten to the point where they just don't care. They think they're entitled. Well, let me tell you a little secret. The only thing any one of us is entitled to is going to hell. The only reason why we don't is because we have a gracious and glorious God who loves us above and beyond that is willing to set us free through his blood if we accept him. So for those who are out there watching this, if you're seeing this for the first time and you feel like you have that selfish spirit in your heart, let it go. Because the only entitlement you have to your selfish heart is you're going to hell. I know it sounds rough. But people don't want to hear that. God had to confront me. There's a couple of little things in my life recently that I didn't realize how selfish I was being. Until he confronted me. Pastor had to uh, confront me about something else. Because I was being selfish. I didn't realize it. That it was in that manner. But once God revealed it to me and use Pastor Jose to reveal another piece to me, I had to accept that. It didn't feel good getting yelled at. It didn't feel good being told that being selfish. But I had to accept it. And I let it go. Now, is it easy? No. Am I still doing it? From time to time. But it's going to take time to heal, to be set free from old habits. It takes time to rebuild a habit. Or break down, like the pastor said this in numerous sermons, it takes time to break a habit down to rebuild a new one. And that's where I am in my life in a couple small areas. I'm breaking down old habits now that's come to my attention so I can rebuild new ones that's more beneficial to me, my family, my spiritual parents, my brothers, sisters, this ministry, to all those I haven't met yet that need me to be set straight. And it's possible for you guys too. We all have a selfish tick in each and every one of us as some piece of our life. 
it's it's hard to escape it in one way or the other. But it's hard. I mean, it's easy to let it go. It's easy to set a whole new mindset. <clears throat> After all this, I want to talk about unity. Unity is very important for the church, for its growth, for the body of Christ. Now, this is where the world sees us. Church fights, church splits, denominational struggles, worship wars, name-calling, gossiping, and so much more. If you think about it in this way, that's like a black eye to the body of Christ. And it's a major, and I mean major reason, why non-believers and people who have left the church either don't want to come to church anymore or think extremely poorly of the church because we are not united. We should be the most united because the Bible states in many areas that we're supposed to be united. We're supposed to be one. So here's some proof. We're going to go to Ephesians chapter 4, 1 through 5. It's Ephesians chapter 4, 1 through 5. And it states, Therefore, I, the prisoner for the Lord, this is the Apostle Paul, urge you to walk worthy of the calling you have received with all humility and gentleness, with patience, accepting one another in love, diligently keeping the unity of the Spirit with the peace that binds us. There is one body, one spirit, just as you were called to one hope at your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and Father of all, who is above all, and through all, and in all. Now, did you notice the number of times the word one occurs? Do you think Paul was trying to send a message to the people of Ephesia? Now think of this. Further, the night before Jesus was arrested and crucified, he himself prayed, I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, meaning us. And I am coming to you, Holy Father, protect them by your name that you have given me so that they may be one as we are one. How much more do you need that Jesus himself, the night that he's about to get arrested and crucified, is still praying that we become one, united. How are we supposed to do anything in this world by ourselves, especially when there's billions of people in this world? I can't do it on myself. They cannot do it by themselves. They, they can barely do this city by themselves. That's why we're here. That's why people who are watching need to hear this because you're supposed to be a part of this church and you're running. Stop running. You know God has called you to be here. They start coming. And I'll get to service a little bit. <clears throat> um, talk about grace. What is grace? It's the unmerited, undeserved divine assistance given to humans for the regeneration, renewal, and sanctification. 
That's what happens when we become Christians. We are cleansed by his blood and we serve him. That's part of a spiritual blessing. We are covered by his grace at all times. Again, none of us deserve it. None of us are entitled to anything but hell. But through his love, mercy, and grace that he has given us because of his son, Jesus Christ, we are given grace, and he, which means he gives us assistance for not just regeneration, renewal, sanctification, sanctification but for so much more. Grace is co covers us. If it wasn't for grace, we'd all be smoked. We'd be in the ground right now. I know I would be. <clears throat> so with this, also stated wisdom. Now, we're in the book of the Bible, book of the Bible, the Bible states that wisdom is a spirit itself. It's living. It's breathing. He sends us the spirit of wisdom willingly if we're willing to seek it. Now, in the last couple of weeks, my brother Dave, myself, Pastor Jose, and Brother Chris have talked on many topics. This is us relaying wisdom to you from the Holy Spirit. Whatever he guided us to speak about on those weeks, Wednesdays or Sundays, to feed you and to help you understand certain topics that you needed to know about. So we've been talking about the armor of God and spiritual warfare for weeks. Weapons of warfare were praise, worship, prayer, and intercession. So, so I'm going to just touch base with them real quick as a reminder. Because these are important tools. They're important weapons. <clears throat> praise has to come from our heart. It's how we thank God. We sing to God. We, everything that we do for God that comes out of our hearts is how we praise him. <clears throat> praise also keeps our minds safe. It protects our minds. Because the enemy is desperate to destroy us, and the way he does it the most, and he attacks first, is our minds. Because if he gets it to our minds, that's all he needs. He doesn't have to do anything else in our lives. He doesn't have to throw a rock in my way because I could choose to step around it or kick it. But the moment I kick it because I'm being a fool or whatever, he's in my mind because now I'm letting the, what happened with the rock get me frustrated, anger, distraught. I can start throwing it in anger, hurting other people. And now he won. That's all he wants. That's all he needs. He gets in our minds, we're done. That's why we have the helmet of salvation. When we worship God, it keeps our heart protected. Worship is our, not just singing songs like everybody is taught in the past and like everybody thinks about. Worship is a daily lifestyle. It's how we are with our brothers and sisters. It's how we are with him with our time. It's what we do. It's what we don't do with our time. It's everything. Worship is speaking to one another in psalms and hymns, spiritual songs. It's the melody of our heart. So if we want to remain pure, we have to keep our heart pure, just like our mind. But 
when our mind is affected, it now sinks into our heart and it takes hold. That's how regret comes in. That's how doubt comes in. That's how fears come in. It's because it starts here in your mind and then it sinks into your heart and then it starts to fester. And that's where the poison begins. It's in your heart. Because you still have time to break free from the mental attacks. Even if you let it get to you at first, you have time to break it. But the moment it gets in your heart, it means it's been festering. Me, if you ask Pastor, when he first met me and you ticked me off, I'd be mad at you for weeks in some cases, depending on how bad you got me. Through God and the fact that he put me next to a man, I was truly blessed. I was allowed to be mentored for eight hours a day, five days a week by this man. I think that's why I was able to heal in many areas of my life as fast as I did, why I was able to grow as fast as I did, because I was blessed with an opportunity to have a mentor by my side every day while we were working. And he fought hard. I have to thank God how hard he fought, because he should have gave up on me. I made his life hell. I really did. I guarantee you, I probably woke up at night stressing him out, stressing his wife out, you know, I, <laughs> thank you, Lord. <laughs> see, see, I, I stress them both out. But over time, through God's guidance, God's word, meaning in the Bible, hear God in my own way, which wasn't often at that time because I was still like a baby, I was still learning through Pastor Jose, through uh, a sister of ours that we used to work with that has recently moved to Puerto Rico. I had a lot of people fighting for me to help me, to push me along my way. That's why we're all here, to push each other along the way, to, to fight through each of our own battles. We all have our battles, but you're not alone. And I remember saying this numerous times one of my last uh, sessions on Wednesday that I kept stating it. I had no idea why I repeated it so often that you're not alone. But I, at one point, I stopped questioning it because I, I felt it in my spirit. Somebody needed to hear it. They, you're not alone. You are not alone. Uh, prayer and intercession. I know people are probably getting sick and nauseous about hearing about prayer. But that's how critical prayer and intercession truly is. Prayer is your personal phone call, if you want to call it, to God, which is pretty much he's always there. Nobody ever calls him. So give him a call. It's like if Jesus was sitting right there and I needed somebody to vent on, to talk to, to question, ask for guidance, what do I do? I actually started praying at home when I feel like I'm getting stuck. I, I clean off my desk chair. I turn it towards my bed. I sit on my bed, and I stare at the chair, and I visualize Jesus sitting in the chair of my desk. And I ask Jesus to please sit in the chair because I need to talk to him. And then I start – forget praying like, Holy Father, do this. No. I start, I start speaking to him like I'm talking to Dave, like I'm talking to Miss Ruth, like I'm talking to Christina, like I'm talking to pastors. I talk to him like he's a living, breathing person sitting in front of me. That's prayer. It's opening your heart completely to God in every way, shape, or form 
letting out everything you need and asking him for everything you need, which is amazing when you allow it to happen. And then intercession is you asking for help for others. I might be fine. Some of you might be struggling. There's billions of people out there struggling. There's over 20, I forgot what the number is now. It's over close to 30 million people that don't have jobs. There's 30 million people to pray for right now. And that's just one topic. That's not including cancers. That's not including our brothers and sisters across the world that are fighting for their lives because they serve God. They're hiding in caves. They're hiding in mountains. They're hiding in basements. You got plenty of people to, to pray for. You got, people, you got kids out there being raped. You got kids being out there being kidnapped. Suicides. Drugs. I could be here for hours naming so many topics that you could intercede for. It's important, not just for you, for yourself. And let's use this as imagery because it also talks about how we are inheritors, we are adopted, and we are citizens. Citizens of what? Of his kingdom. And we're adopted. Which means now we're royalty. Right. So now it means we're royalty. That means I inherit the kingdom of God alongside Jesus Christ. Not literally just like him because he reigns over all, but I think you get the, the handle. So picture this. This is what intercession is like. Imagine God asking you to stand at the front gate of the kingdom. It says, there's an army coming. I need you to defend the the city. Here's a bow. There's people running to try to get in. You have to protect them. Intercession is you standing at that gate, firing your arrows at the enemy to hold them off while your lost brothers and sisters or your brothers and sisters who are struggling can make it home. That's what intercession is like. God gave me that imagery and I thought that was powerful and I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about it because I can feel God. That is a perfect imagery of what intercession is like. It's you protecting your brothers and your sisters, whether they're lost or not, so they can get home, so they can become part of the kingdom, so they can inherit what they have to inherit, just like we do. We talked about the armor of God, the keys, the strategies. It's important that we understand how to use the armor of God, how to wear it, and how to use it to protect ourselves, to develop strategies in every area of our life, especially the spiritual realm, in prayer, so that we can fight the enemy. Now, the enemy is not Dave or Maria, Yolanda, pastors, the person across the street because he spit on my car. No, the enemy, the true enemy is somebody you can't see. More times than not, you can't hear him, and more times than not, you can't really feel him either. But he's always there. He's always lurking out. I mean, he's always lurking about. He's, Dave, Brother Dave brought it up that the enemy is deceptive. He's very manipulative. And they can be selfish too. Because all he wants to do is take us down with him. That's being selfish. How selfish could you be that because you're doomed that you want people to hurt with you? You want people to be doomed with you. And they do it because they're jealous of you, intimidated, or afraid of you. 
but that is more of a physical part. That's more of people that are jealous of you, intimidated, and afraid of you. Spirits and demons ain't afraid of you. I'll tell you that right now. Unless you have the Holy Spirit active and thriving in you. They're definitely not intimidating you because the Holy Spirit is not with you. You're not praying. You're not interceding. You're not, reading, you're not reading the Word. So how do you know what the Holy Spirit could do for you? I'm not saying you guys, but there's plenty of people that probably feel that way. And many people are jealous. Spirits of demons can be jealous because they, were, they knew where they were. They had it made. They lived with God and all the other angels. But they chose to listen to the one that wanted to go against God. You can't go against your creator. You're never going to win. He made you. He has the power to make you. He has the power to destroy you. That's like me trying to say, oh, I, I brought the sun up today, and I'm going to bring it back down. I didn't bring the sun up. God did. <clears throat> so to, to conclude for tonight real quick, there's I have four goals that I want you guys, and I want people who are watching there are four simple goals that can begin a whole new lifestyle for you, a whole new mindset, bring joy to your heart, peace. Four simple goals just to start. After that, pray and see where God takes you. The first one, it's also one of the most important. You have to forgive. You have to forgive yourself and you have to forgive others. Forgiveness sets you free from areas in your life but you have to be willing to forgive so you can set yourself free for areas in your life that you can do because there's some things that we can set ourselves free from out of choice and there's things that we can't set ourselves free from but that's where Jesus comes into play the Holy Spirit and God there's three of them Pick one, choose one, pray to either, any one of them. They're all listening. They all talk to each other. They can help in the areas we can't do it. Trust me, there's plenty of areas we can't touch because we have no idea how. We have no idea it's there. I forgot how many times God revealed something to me that I had no idea that was affecting my life. There was stuff there that I totally forgot about because it was like 20 years in the past. Brought it to my attention. I'm like, oh, my God, I forgot about that. How's that hurt me? And then he reveals it to me, and now i got to work on being healed. You have to forgive yourself. It's more important you forgive yourself and then forgive others. Because if you can't forgive yourself, it's just as poisonous, it's just as painful, it's just as damaging if you can't forgive your brothers or sisters. And if you can't forgive your brothers and sisters, you can't forgive yourself, then why do you expect Jesus to forgive you? He died for you. He took beatings and lashings galore to the point he was disfigured for you and for all of you i can't i don't even want to guess the kind of pain he went through and unfortunately i do because when i have to play jesus i read the gospel so much and i try to get not into his mind but i try to understand the moment of whatever we're portraying in our plays as best as i can with his help to understand what he went through and portray it because I want people to not just see a good play. I want people to feel whatever he was trying to get across. 
And it's hard when you're constantly reading the Gospels and he keeps revealing stuff to you that he went through. So imagine the beating he took for you. He forgave you. He forgave the ones that crucified him. So why can't you forgive yourself? Why can't you forgive your neighbors? Meaning everybody. Jesus said we have to love our neighbors as ourselves. He's not talking about the person that lives next to me only. He's talking about my brother Dave, sister Janet, everybody across the street, people I met at Lowe's. They're all considered my neighbors. Goal number two, pray. I know I'm so sick of hearing about prayer. But we're going to say it until the day Jesus Christ comes and takes us or until I enter the grave. That's how important prayer is. Get a prayer life if you don't already have one. If you have one, great. Keep going. Set new goals when it comes to you and your prayer life with our Father. It's that important. It can save your life. It can save the life of your daughters. It can save the life of your sons. It can save the life of your spouses and your brothers, your sisters, your parents. Multitudes of people that you do know and don't know. I mean, don't know. Three, surrender. Pastor always teaches us here at the Resurrection Center, for those who might be new to hearing this and have never heard it, and as a reminder for all those who have, we need to ask God to seek our, search our hearts. Reveal to us, if we don't know what it is, what is hindering us, what is holding us back, what is holding me back from obtaining my relationship with you, what's holding me back from fulfilling my ministry in its entirety, or even starting my ministry. What's holding me back? And then once you learn what's holding you back, you need to stop being prideful, be willing to accept what you're being told, especially by the Holy Spirit, be willing to sit at the altar, whether it's here or at your house, and ask God for forgiveness, but then let it out. Let it go. Surrender to him. Ask him for help overcoming and destroying whatever it is that's hindering you. I remember years back, I kept feeling like there was this wall between me and God. I trusted him as God, but then I kept having dreams. And I kept having this feeling in my heart. So one day I asked my spiritual father if I could talk to him. So we, I took him out to Dunkin' Donuts, and we had a talk. So what he told me was, God is trying to reach me in a whole new level. He wants me to not only see and feel and know him as God. He wants me to get to that relationship where I can see him as a father. And I couldn't do that. I have been fighting for years because I felt like there was a wall between me and God when it came to a father. Because my father left. Yeah, now, for those who don't know, me and my brother kicked him out of our lives. Long story. But I always held it against him because, he, to my eyes, he never fought to stay in our lives. And about six years later, I think, when I was committed suicide the first time, I had a class that... As homework, told me to call somebody I haven't talked to in a while, tell them I love them, see what they say. That's literally the homework. I kid you not. So I debated all day. I picked up my ex-wife because we were engaged at the time. We always went to lunch after I got her classes. 
after lunch, I would bring her to, back to school so she can go to class. So I started talking to my dad, my dad again because of that. But yet again, years later, when I needed my dad the most, he vanished. Now, he did it and said he did it because he was trying to protect me. Yeah, I understand why he did it, but the fact that he never talked to me about it, he never included me about it, he just vanished. He was never near where I needed him the most, hurt. And then he, him, along with many other people in my life, was using my ex-wife as this use of never coming around, especially at parties for my kids. And that always hurt, and it took years to let that go and to surrender that hurt. So I started praying to God, I need you not to only break that wall down. I need you to destroy that wall so it can never be rebuilt because I feel that need, the desire for my father. I was desperate to feel that. Pastor Millie gave us an amazing testimony about, if I remember the first real experience you had when you locked yourself in your room. Like after she said that, I'm like, I want to feel what that feels like. And I started fighting. You have to fight for what you want. You have to fight for your spiritual gifts. But the only way you can also do that is you have to be willing to surrender what's holding you back. It's like having a ball and chain on your leg. Now, I'm not talking about your wife. Because I know guys like to use that as an excuse. Your wives are not your ball and chains, okay? They don't hold you back. They don't weigh you down. But think, think about that. If, you don't, well, if you're not willing to surrender something, it's like having a ball and chain on your leg. You can't go the distance that God is calling you to go. And the last one I'm going to talk about tonight is to serve. Serving is very important in the kingdom of God, but it's also important, just as important for you guys, for me. When we serve God, we're complete in his will. We're accepting his will in our lives, and we're doing what he has asked us to do or called us to do. In so doing, we bring ourselves, we bring joy into our lives. We bring peace, love, mercy, grace, and so much other, so many blessings into our life. Only because we're willing to surrender our will to our Father, and we're willing to serve. Serving in the house, serving your brothers, your sisters, is an amazing feeling. I've been doing that since I was five years old. I didn't realize just how much God was preparing me for being here today. And every time I pray or do a study, it, he, he really reveals to me how much he has really been preparing me my entire life for many things. So when I was five, really quick... My mother is a part of Easter Star. My dad was a Freemason. So they always brought us down to the temple. And my brother, myself, and my cousin would always be in the basement. And we would always be down there with the, the older ladies that would help cook all the food so that after the meetings were over, we would serve. So I, I'm a five-year-old boy who's helping elderly ladies cook food. And then serve all the food to others. And I did that for years. And then when I was a Mason, I started to do the same thing. And then when I became one of the officers, it was actually my job to prepare and set it up, make sure everybody had what they needed. 
Then I was also in retail, so it's customer service. I was really built to want to help take care of people. And now I work in a hospital where I thank God because it's one of the greatest jobs I have where I can help other people's lives. Now, granted, I don't work directly with people. Everything I do matters to them because if it wasn't for me and my team, surgeries wouldn't be able to happen because they wouldn't have the supplies they need for whatever you need for your surgery, whether it's a knee replacement or hernia or urinary stuff, implants, eyes, lenses being replaced, um, car accidents that start in the ER but end up in the OR. Everything we do does something for somebody's life. And I started seeing it as, what if that was my mother that needed that? What if that was my daughter that needed that? What if it was my father or my pastor? I started seeing it as a personal thing. Pastor always says, don't take it personal, make it personal. I made what I do in my job very personal because I look at every person we're taking care of as like their family. And the fact that I'm a Christian, I see that more so because they are family. They may not know it yet, or they may know it, but not know me yet because I haven't met them yet. A lot of you were my family the day I said to Jesus Christ, but how many years did it take before I met some of you? We're all family. Serving God could bring amazing, not just blessings, but amazing things to your heart. It could bring joy to you in ways you can never imagine. And when you do God's will, you'll be amazed at how much more he's going to do for you. But don't do it because of that. Do it because of the joy of that. So the last testimony I want to bring up to prove my point before I hand it over to my spiritual father. When I first go, started going back to church and I was pastor's watch guard, and we started having our conferences, especially the Break Free to Your Destiny conferences. I used to get frustrated because during the conferences, it's bilingual. Half the time I couldn't hear. I'd have to stare at Pastor Millie's lips and hoping, based on what little I could hear and read in her lips, I can catch what the preacher was saying. But at the same time, I'm running around doing stuff for Pastor and doing stuff for Postal. So... One of my sisters told me, don't be so frustrated at what you don't hear because you don't realize what little you're hearing is what God needs you to hear. Now, I was already enjoying myself and helping pastor, helping apostles, doing all the running around, doing whatever they needed me to do. But once I accepted that, the joy in what I was doing skyrocketed. I actually found more joy in what I was doing for God and what I was doing for um, Pastor Jose and Apostle than I was before because I was more worried that I couldn't hear the word instead of doing the word. And doing the word was I was serving others. Jesus Christ didn't come to be served. He came to serve. And his entire ministry, that's all he showed. He was serving everyone. So I asked... If you haven't started serving yet, if you've been debating about it, if the Holy Spirit's been pushing you to serve or to talk to pastor about the gifts you have, talk to him. Pray on it. 
this church and many other churches out there, if you're, if you're somebody who's just flipping through looking at the message, your church, this church, the body of Christ needs your help. We have to be united as one. And there's many links out there that are still missing because people don't want to serve. They're too afraid to serve. They're, they're doubting that they have the ability to serve. They're doubting that they were called to serve. Take a chance. Jump in wherever you can, even if it's at the bottom of the food chain and all that's all that's open at the moment. God will promote you in many ways. And when you start moving up and you start doing more, you're going to see how much joy starts filling your life. So I thank you for hearing this message. You can come on Sunday. We are open back up. There's a, a short message that's on YouTube, yeah, YouTube that Pastor Millie did that explains all the new regulations based on government. So please, if you can, take a chance to watch that. You can follow us at any time on www.resurrectionspreefield.org. And you can also follow us on any social media at TRC413. I thank you for joining in. I thank you for watching. I pray that you really take this to heart and you start praying and you start serving because your brothers and your sisters need you. God bless you. Have a great night and continue to be safe. God bless.